Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you today. Would you stand with us, please, as we worship the Lord in song? We're glad to have you here today with us.
worthy of all our praise. Amen. Would you just turn to the person next to you and just say hello? Say we're glad to have you here today with us. We are glad that you're watching with us today, worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. He is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy. Oh 
As we continue worshiping and lifting our song and our voice to Jesus today, we want you to just think about him being our father and our creator and that there's no one higher than the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you praise his name, you're praising the Lord of the universe.
guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for the truth in that song. There was no one higher than you. Lord, we are just sitting in that truth. We're just going to think about that, God, how you are king over all. You are sovereign over all. Lord, you are Christ, Savior. You are everything to us, God. We just lay everything at your feet, God. You are just amazing. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you all. Um, um, I, you know, one of the things that I love is hearing this church sing. I love nothing more than hearing this church sing and declare what's true. Because right now, like we were just, I was just over teaching students last, last hour and how our culture is sitting more and more in what I call the numb status. N-U-M-B, numb. You know, the I don't care, the just, just the like whatever's. And we have, a, we have something. We have good news. We have something to share. We have something that's life-changing. Like, we can't sit in the middle. We've got to go back in. You know, God saved us from the brokenness, made us new in Christ. And then you know what he does? He says, I came to this, I came to this world on a rescue mission, and now you're on my team, and I'm sending you right back into the brokenness. And so, people, we've got the truth that Jesus Jesus. Jesus is the good news. So can we thank God for Jesus? We, can we thank God? Can we thank God for Jesus? I'm just glad we're here. I'm glad we have guests in the house. If you're here, we're glad you're here. Please stop by the Welcome Center. We want to give you something for free, just saying thanks for being here with us. Um, thanks for joining us online, too. Uh, if you are uh, a guest online, please tell Elena, one of our moderators, and she'll be able to connect with you and share more information about Crossroads. But it's a, it's a good day to be alive. You know, and, and so we've got a lot of things coming up. One, we have our car cruise, which has been kicking off every Tuesday, 5 to 9. Come on up. It's just been a great time. Looking forward to what God continues to do out of something simple like a car cruise. And so there's some beautiful cars. And if and, and I want to make a little side note. Any of you people that are bringing your cars on Tuesday, bring them on Man Day. Okay, so I'll talk about that in a second. But if you've been bringing up your car on Tuesday, bring them up for Man Day. When we celebrate our fathers next Sunday, bring those cars up. So that's the car cruise is every Tuesday, 5 to 9, up here on the parking lot. There's also wonderful food and even better people. Also, I want to talk about our backyard barbecues. You know, I used to make this joke, you know, probably five, six years ago that we were going to get to the point where we had to teach ourselves how to have, like, you know, barbecues and invite friends and have people over to our house. And, you know, we had a whole year last year that drove us into... You know, it drove us into lockdown, you know, and made us, you know, not super sure what to do. And so what we're doing is we're telling, hey, listen, the plane's taking off. We're rolling. And so we're encouraging uh, all of us to jump on to one of these backyard barbecues. So you can go to our website. You can also go in the lobby and there's a whole bunch of yellow sheets and or orange, depending on how you look at it. Um, But I want you to sign up for a backyard barbecue. You can look and see uh, who's hosting it. You can also see where it's located. So some of you are going to look and say, this is closer to my house or maybe one that fits your schedule better. But I encourage you all to go look at those pieces of paper and sign up. And it's just going to be fun. There's going to be food and we're going to hang out together. It's going to be simple. Doesn't everybody want more simple? I don't know about you, but that sounds wonderful. So backyard barbecues and there's all kinds of different dates for the month of June. So please sign up on our website or in the lobby. And then this Friday, we're having our first of our summer movie nights. We're going to be showing The Croods, too. Uh, it's a great movie, great, great family movie. And so this is going to start um, at dusk, right when the sun goes down. We're going to try to start that movie. Um, but there's going to be a, a hot, do- a gourmet hot dog food truck. 
Uh, we're going to also have some concessions available, but you can by all means bring your own snacks and food. Um, and that is going to be um, starting um, at dusk on Friday. The, the concessions this year are really cool because the gourmet hot dogs are actually, actually called rescue dogs and they benefit the Light of Life uh, rescue mission. So go check that out when you're here at the movie night. If you go to our website, you can register um, for your ticket. It's all free, but we just want to know how many people are coming. Um, and so if you're bringing five or six people, like in my family, uh, you just register per car. One ticket equals one car. And so we have about 25 people signed up for Friday, so we're looking forward to what God is going to do. But listen, people people come up to these movie nights that have never been here, and then they start coming to church here. So listen, God, God uses all things. And then next Sunday, I want to share a few things. Bacon. See, everybody's paying attention now. Bacon, uh, bacon, egg and cheese sandwiches. We're going to be having uh, sandwiches. Uh, we're also going to be having some muscle cars, classic cars, and then we're going to be having all kinds of other fun things. So we're going to be celebrating uh, the men in our lives, the fathers in our lives. So come on up next Sunday, June 20th, and we're going to celebrate our fathers. And they'll be all, I'm sure that we'll, we'll figure out some other fun things to do. It's going to be good. But everybody gets, everybody gets a breakfast sandwich, you know. And it's going to be a great day. So that's going to be next Sunday. We're going to celebrate our Father. So please come on up. And then also, too, VBS is July 12th through the 16th. You can register on our website or check out the lobby in the table. But God's been good to us, hasn't he? He's been really good to us. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving, giving through the mail online or the boxes on the wall. But God is continuing to just challenge our church to, to keep being faithful. You know, and again, we were talking about over there in students, God is always faithful even when we're not. So as we remember that truth, let's pray and ask God to just continue to open up our hearts. Lord, we love you. What a great day it is to be here. Um, Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of your people as we um, give of our, of our finances, Lord, to the mission to see lives changed by Jesus. Lord, we are grateful and always, uh, Lord, keep growing our hearts um, closer to yours. Lord, help us to just take a step back and just recognize your truth as power. And, Lord, as we open up your word here in a minute, God, would you just challenge us, make us more like Jesus. And as we walk out of here, we would walk out of here with passion and a purpose, knowing that you gave it to us. We love you, Jesus, and ask all things in your name. Amen. been on our journey of the remarkable story of Jesus. We're looking at the book of Mark. John Mark has given us first look from Peter. Like Peter's, Peter was with Jesus all the time, so John Mark is penning these things that he's getting from, from the account of Peter as he had seen the life of Jesus Christ. He's given it to us. He says, this is good news. I want you to understand the good news. And as he does, we keep unfolding. We've been on this journey for the last many weeks. We've been looking and saying, all right, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? As the world is crazy, as the world is upside down right now, what will change your life is to find out who this Jesus is. Because as we look through the scriptures, we find out that this Jesus, when you had an encounter with Jesus, he absolutely transformed people's lives. And so we, we, we got into it and we started to see that he began to teach 
And he taught about the parables. He said that whenever the sower plants the seed into your life, that little bit of seed would start to grow. And as that seed starts to grow, it's going to need a testing. It's going to need challenging. You don't go out and you don't dig up the seed and, and yell at it to make it grow, but you feed it, you water it. And then, then as that seed starts to grow, pretty soon there's a test. There's a trial that will come. And so Jesus takes his disciples out on a boat. And he realizes that he must teach them. He, like, like for the teacher to, to really help his students, they have to be tested. Did you ever study if there was no test? Do you remember those days in the schools? That's the only day that I did study. It was the night before the test. I didn't know you're supposed to study the whole time. Jesus was coming along and he was saying, I want you to know me the whole time. And he didn't want them to just regurgitate a bunch of information. He wanted to take them through the test of life. And so he takes them out on the test of life. And, and he takes them out. They're on a boat. And the, the, as we looked last week, we see that they feared for their life. They thought it was all over. They thought, this is done. The, the, our, our life, we're, we're going to die. And Jesus, here he is. He's asleep. Doesn't even care. And Jesus wakes up and he calms the storm. And as he calms the storm, he says to him, where's your faith? Like, like, you've been watching me. You've seen me do all these miracles. You, you've heard me teach. You could probably regurgitate some of my speeches already. But yet, I'm on the storm and you think that I didn't care? You, you, you thought that I had no, you had no faith. You had faith in what? You were faith in, in yourself. You were faith in your, your avid fisherman that you knew how to deal with storms. And today, the camera comes out of chapter four and goes over to chapter five. These guys had just about died on that boat. They, they were fearing their life. And then they're even more afraid. The end of chapter 4, they say, who is this man? Who is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? He can calm down nature. Who is this guy? And they're fearing because if he can do that, what could he do to me? And so they come in. And I want you to catch it. The camera is seeing the boat coming in off of off of the shore. The, 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 the water is completely calm. And they're making their way in. And as they do, they make their way in. And, and they see this man off in a distance. <clears throat> He's a rather large guy. They hear him howling. And, and they hear him screaming. And, and, and this man's cutting himself. And, and he's beating his body. And they, they and like, like this, that, this dude is a bad dude. And they're scared for their life as they come in. They're like, wait a minute. Jesus, you almost killed us last night. What are you going to do to us now? And I see this, this crazy guy up here. Mark chapter 5. The camera goes as they come across. They want to cross to take the, the, uh, to the, they want to cross the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And so what they did, uh, Jesus had been having his ministry primarily among the Jewish area. And now he was going, look at this map here. He was going over to, he came across over to the eastern side, which this area is known as the Decapolis. There were ten cities on this side, and they were Gentile cities. And as you look, you can see the names of the cities there. You, you remember the road to Damascus. That's a, a very famous uh, name in the Bible, Damascus. And, but there were all these cities, and so they came over. This was the area of the, of the Gerasenes. This was also known as the Decapolis, these ten cities. And as they, as they came across there, the, remember that this was the Gentile area. This was not the place where the, where the Jewish people would go. Remember, Jesus was a Jew and his disciples were Jewish. So they had grown up with the, with the religion of the Jewish religion. They knew all about, uh, how, you know, the rules and the regulations of the Jewish faith. And so when they came over there, these would be people that were 
on the outside looking in. These were people that didn't grow up learning what a bar mitzvah was. They didn't learn the Ten Commandments. These were people that were not of God. And so they came into this land. And, uh, and when Jesus got out of the boat, verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This guy... He had, he had lived among the tombs. This was, this was their day version of a graveyard. Uh, uh, he, he would live out there among the tombs. And I want you to catch this guy just kind of hanging out, going by from dead person to dead person. Hanging out among the dead. This man lived in the tombs. Uh, verse 3, this man lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So you would even bind this guy up and he would just snap the chains off. Verse 4, he had often been chained in hand, uh, by hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Nobody was strong enough to take him down. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with the stones. So night and day, this guy, I want you to see what's happening here. Because I've read through this many times and many times I just caught to the punchline, right? But I didn't necessarily lean in and think, who was this guy? This was a guy who was possessed by a demon. I want you to think of him as, at one point, he was a, had a family. At one point, he had a wife. And at one point, he had a couple kids. And at one point, he just let, let little things slide into his life. And, and he just like took little, little baby steps into doing some wrong things. And the, and, and the bad things just kind of crept in. And it looked really good at first, but all of a sudden, he's now he's dealing with these demons that he has just let slide into his life. And they have taken him over. Uh, the, the disciples have a real situation here because they're, they have a number of things that are going wrong for them. They, they, they almost died last night on the boat. They come across, the, they're now in the area of the Gentiles. They're among the unclean, if you will. Uh, they, are, they see this man. He's defiled. He has an evil spirit. They're not supposed to hang out with somebody who, who is demon-possessed. Stay away from the unclean thing. And then you see this man that Satan had taken, and, and he was, he's about ready to take this guy out. Satan is close to delivering the knockout punch on this guy, and he's trying to destroy him. And let me say this this morning. Here's the plan of Satan. Satan comes along, and he tries to destroy the image of God in your life. You see, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. When God created Adam and Eve, what did he say? Let us make man in our image. Just a little side note. Let us, God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, make man in our image. Did you know that you are made in the image of God? You know, when you, when you look in the mirror, do you ever say, wow, I just saw the image of God? My wife does when she looks at me. She's like, wow. Listen, you know, when you look in the mirror, you don't often think that, do you? We, we often think, wow, you know. I'm follically challenged. I think of all these other things, right? Here's what the enemy does, folks. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, doesn't he? God has given us life, and God has placed his image. So you have the image of God burned into you. Uh, the fact that you are a human, God created you in the image and likeness of God. And here's what Satan's plan is. Satan's plan is to come and to take and destroy anything of God. 
So when he sees the image of God on your life, he comes and he says, uh-huh, let me just destroy that. Let me just keep tempting. Let me just take and, and take that down. This man lived among the tombs. He was hanging out with the dead people. Um, he was often shackled by change and he would snap them off. Imagine this guy just howling in the cemetery at night. You know, when you were kids, did you ever go up to the cemetery and read ghost stories? Anybody ever do that? Wow, only two of you? My goodness. I did that at church camp. I'm sorry. I mean, I'll never forget that. I mean, I won't tell you it was this church. All right. So I'll never forget. We went off to camp, and I'll never forget. We were scared to death. We're like, ooh. But let me tell you, this guy, he lived out there. He was hanging out around the dead. And listen, you know, a guy who's hanging at the cemetery, there's no life there. And he was cast out by everybody. Everybody, the people in the town, they had driven him away. This man was, he was defiled. He was defaced. He descended into a life of filth, loneliness, and terror. People feared him because of his strength, but they had no respect for him. It was shameful to see what Satan could do. That Satan could come and he could conquer and he could capture, he could conquer, conquer, conquer and capture a person like this. And he just held him hostage. And you know, today we hear people say, man, I've got a lot of demons to deal with. Did you ever hear that statement? Or he has a lot of demons to deal with. You know, Satan is doing that. This is Satan's job. He, he comes and he, he's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to destroy the image of God on you. He's trying to take down everything good that God has placed in you. And this man was trying over and over. I want you to catch it. He's coming along and it says that he was cutting himself night and day among the tombs in the hills. You'd hear him crying out, ah, ah, you can hear this man in torment. And he's taking a stone and imagine this, this man ripped, kind of like the Incredible Hulk, you know? You, you, you remember the Incredible Hulk? You know, he'd be like this normal guy, then, his shirt would just rip. I used to do that. My wife loved it. My kids were afraid. You know, listen, listen, when this man would be up there, he'd be just screaming. And, and, and he'd like, he would take a stone and just take the stone because he had so much pain inside of him. He was rejected. He was, he was, he was taken away from society. And he comes along, he takes a stone and he takes it and he just and the blood begins to pour out because he had much more pain inside than that stone could do. And today we hear people, many people struggle with the same syndrome today. Our heart goes out and breaks when I hear of a, a, a person who's dealing with cutting and, and, and inflicting wounds onto themselves. Folks, I want you to know there's help. And the help is not in psychiatry. It's in Jesus Christ. It comes from him. You're going to see this help here in just a few moments. Jesus Christ can help that. There are many good things that doctors can do, but there is the great physician, the greatest doctor is Jesus. And he will come and he will transform and he can take that pain. And so as, as people deal with these things, I want to encourage you. Here was a man who hit, everything was over for him. The Talmud, the, the, the Jewish law book that would help people know how to live, it said there were four, four signs of madness. One was walking in the night. Another was spending a night on a grave. Another was to destroy anything that somebody gave you. Another one was to tear one's clothes and 
This man had all of them. He was destroyed. He had been taken over. But yet something was about to happen. This man was hopeless. I hate that word, don't you? Hopeless. This man was hopeless until he meets Jesus. Now, check this out. When Jesus comes, he changes everything. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. So here's a man who's been struggling. He's got these demons that are taking him down. The demon is about ready to take him down, like just to kill the guy. And he's been fighting with this, this demon for years. He's lost his family. He's lost his kids. He's lost everything that mattered to him because this demon overtook his life. And when he sees Jesus, he goes running from the distance and he falls down. Now, how, how does a demon get on his knees before Jesus? Let me tell you this. He was on his knees. The demon took that body to his knees, not because he was worshiping Jesus, but because he saw the authority of Jesus. You see, when, when you go before a king, you kneel down, right? The, the authority of Jesus was, was reigning. And so even the devil can recognize the authority of Jesus. And he's down on his knees. And check what he says to him. He falls on his knees, verse 7. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God. In God's name, don't torture me. And Jesus has this confrontation with the demon. And he, and he begins to have this exchange with him. And you say, well, why did he say this? Well, Mark tells us. He says, he said this because Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit, you evil spirit. Jesus had said, get out of him. And so there's, a, there's an exchange that happens. But I want you to catch this. Demons know who Jesus is. Demons are well aware. As a matter of fact, you got the answer in verse chapter forty, uh, chapter four, verse forty-one. When a, when the disciples said, "Who is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him?" Right over here in chapter five, the demon gives the answer. He is Jesus, Son of the Most High God. These disciples have been following Jesus, and they're they're on a journey, and they didn't fully catch it yet. Like, like, yeah, if, if he's God, what does that mean to me? And, and ooh, ooh, th- th- this is kind of some scary stuff here. But yet, whenever the demon come along, the demon says, you are the son of the most high God. But let me tell you, those demons were not there to worship God. The demons believe in their head that he's God, but they're not going to accept him and follow him. And you see, this is the difference. Many people in our world believe in their head that Jesus is God because he is. You can't deny that fact. He is the Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But in the same way that a demon didn't, didn't submit and say, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to follow you. Many people in this world today do the same. He's God, but I'm going to do my own thing. He's God, but it's all about how I feel. He's God, but you don't understand. No, no, no. He's God. He understands. And he says, either I'm Lord or I'm not. And so if he is Lord, that means that you have got to follow his plan, not your plan. And it's not about your feelings. It's not about your emotions. It's not about your will, your intellect. It's about who he is and what he has said. And if God says, this is the way, thus says the Lord. My friends, I want to encourage you. If he's Lord, let him be Lord. Because if he's not, you know, if you can't play the game. You can't say, well, he's Lord over 90%. Uh Uh-uh. He's Lord over everything. 
He's Lord. And so this was, this was where, where the demon comes. So they recognize him. He's the son of the most high God. Then Jesus asked him, verse 9, Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Legion, that was the name of the Roman army. In order for the army to be a legion, it had to have 6,000 soldiers. He was saying there are thousands of us demons in this one guy. Again, you talk about the guy who says he has many demons to deal with. This guy had thousands of demons to deal with. You want to talk about addictions. You want to talk about trouble. You want to talk about emptiness. You want to talk about brokenness. He had demons everywhere that he had to deal with. And, And Jesus says, what is your name? And he replies, there are many of us. We are legion. And he begged Jesus again not to send them out of the area. So so this demon and Jesus are having this exchange. He's telling them to get out. He's uh, he, he They know their end. They know that one day it will all be over for them. If you go and you read the book of Revelation, you'll see in the very end that Jesus comes along and he takes... Satan and all of his demons, and he cast them into the lake of fire forever, and we will never deal with them again. Thanks be to God for that. Amen? I am so looking forward to that day. But until then, we've got to deal with that rascal. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. This demon begged, said, please don't send us out of here. And, and because, listen, that was fertile ground. It was, it was the Gentile world. Nobody was talking about God over there. They were running rampant. Man, we, we can get these people to do this. We can get them to do that. And, and, there, and it was like, man, so he's, he's begging them not to leave the area. He continues on, verse 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. Remember, they're in the, in the village, in the area of the Gentiles. There was no need for pig farmers over among the Jewish because they weren't allowed to eat pork. It was unclean. So you over here, here's a pig farmer. And so he's out there, they're farming, and, and there was a large herd of pigs on the other side. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Verse 13. He gave them permission and the impure spirits. I love that. God gave them permission. Go from this to that. And what he was doing was he was changing this man's life. He saw a man that was held hostage by the demon. He said, you go from this demon to that herd of pigs. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down to the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. I was reading, I believe it was Chuck Swindoll cites the area that he believed that this happened in coming off the, off the lake. He says that there was a, a cliff about 1700 feet high and where the 2000 pigs would have been, uh, the, the pig farmers would have been roughly about two miles back would have been the, the tombs and then you'd have the pig farmers and then you have this cliff. And so whenever Jesus cast the demon out, they go into this crowd of, uh, to this herd of pigs, 2000, and they run off the cliff. And let me tell you folks, the whole purpose for Satan is he's a murderer. That's what he's up to. Satan wants to come to the likeness and the image of God in your life, and he wants to murder it. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it in John 8:44. He was talking to another demon here, and he said to the demon, he said, You belong to, the father, to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. 
Do you catch this? When Satan came along to Eve with a temptation in the Garden of Eden, it was to murder. It was to kill the image and likeness of God. He hates God. He hates anybody who bears the image of God. He hates you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you better expect some opposition. Because the Satan is, uh, he, he is, he is out there. He is trying to trip you up. He does not hold on to truth. There is no truth in him. He destroys. And I think it's important for us to remember that today. The demons went into the pigs. And you know what happened to the demons? They were not able to withstand. Uh, the, the pigs were not able to withstand the demons. And the demons drove them off, it says, into the, off the cliff, and they drowned. And so you ha- could you imagine what a nasty sight that would be? 2,000 dead pigs on the shore? Like, like, you're talking blood, you're talking all kind of craziness. I mean, that had to be repulsive. And, 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 and all the community begins to see this. Why did Jesus allow them to go into the pigs? And, and what it was, I, I like what William Lane says. William Lane, he's, William Lane is a biblical apologist, and he says this. He says that Jesus allowed the demons to enter the pigs to demonstrate that their real purpose was total destruction of their host. You see, folks, don't mess with Satan. Don't go out there. You know, we live in a world that says, oh... I remember when I was a kid, people would talk about, you know, mysticism and the Ouija boards and all that. Listen, stay away from that stuff. It is evil. The tarot cards, the, the, all that stuff, anything that resembles Satan, run from it. And I'm going to get more to that in those few minutes here about why you should run. But I want you to understand, he is here to destroy you. Satan is not your friend. He's not your pet. He's not your pet that you pull out and say, okay, let me pet him over here. I'll take this little bit of, you know, I, I have this little pet sin. I'll just deal with it over here. No, 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 no. He's there to destroy and all sin will destroy. It comes to destroy your family. Listen, when sin gets into your life, it destroys every relationship that you have. We all are sinners. We all sin every day. But Satan is trying to trip us up. He's trying to make you think that you're no good. He's trying to make you believe a lie. Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and in the countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. The people were looking, hey, what's going on? Verse 15, uh, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there. He was dressed. He was in his right mind. He, he's, he's totally transformed. And the people were afraid. What? It's just like the disciples. They calmed the storm and the disciples were afraid. Jesus cast the demon out. This man went from the hulk with his clothes everywhere and just shredded and destroyed to he's now sitting there and he's like, hello. Would you like a cup of tea? I mean, it's like he's calm. He, he, he's back to his old self. And people are like, we haven't seen that guy for 15 years. Who is this guy? Like, who did this to you? And they're, they're, they're afraid. Verse 16, um, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the, to the demon-possessed man. And uh, they saw what had happened. They told everybody, and they told about the pigs as well. And the word was spreading. Verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus 
to leave. Folks, if you thought there was a scary chapter in the Bible, and if you thought that the demon was scary, like if you could, you know, if, if there were a man going around town that was sleeping at the Finleyville Cemetery, and he was howling, and, and you'd hear him at night, man, it would be the talk of the town. It really would. I mean, you, you'd be afraid of that. But let me tell you, there's something scarier than that. And it's this verse right here. The people pleaded with Jesus to leave. And here's what's really scary. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat. You know, if you tell God to keep out, he's keeping out. He's not going to force his way in. Say, God, I don't like what you said in your word. Stay away. Okay. I'll go to the next town. What? That's the scariest verse in the whole Bible to me right there, folks. That, that, that if you tell God, don't mess with me, he's not going to mess with you. Oh, God, you don't understand over here. I have this habit that I, this habit makes me feel much better than any time I've read your word. Okay. You go right on ahead. I'm getting in the boat. I'm going to the next town. Folks, I want you to catch this because this is so important. We take this for granted. Many people have taken Jesus and put him to be who they want him to be. He's not who you want him to be. He's Jesus. He is God. The question is, will you be who he wants you to be? And he doesn't ask you how you feel about it. He didn't say, I've come to make you happy. Nowhere in the Bible that he said, I want you to have this nice, plushy little life. And you'll get a house and 2.4 children and a nice little picket fence around it. He never said that. He said, if you follow me, they're going to hate you. That was a big recruitment state. Could you imagine that? Hey, be all that you can be and be hated. Like, like, no, he says, follow me. Because they, they hate me, they're going to hate you too. And so, so I want you to catch this, folks. We're living in a world, our world right now, is pushing Jesus out. Everywhere we go, everybody's pushing Jesus out in the name of how I feel, what is right for me. That's what I hear. It's right for me. No, 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 that's not what God said. Folks, we have to proclaim this loud and clear, and I want to proclaim it loud and clear for you so that you can hear the truth of God's Word. It is not what is right for me. It is what God has said in His Word. And if He is Lord, if He died on the cross, and if He rose from the, get, from the grave, I want to trust what He says. I want to trust what His Word says. And as you look around, I'm going to show you a little bit more here how, the, how the He comes to still kill and destroy. But I want you to catch this. Jesus walked away. And yet the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. He begged him. He says, hey, listen, I, I want to go with you. And imagine this discussion that happened back and forth. Jesus, he's like, Jesus is with this man who's been cleaned up. The guy is totally transformed. He got his life back. And as he's talking with Jesus, he's saying, would you stay a little while longer? Stay a little while longer. He goes, no, I've got another mission. This place isn't ready for me yet. And, and so he gets into the boat. He begs him to go. But look what Jesus does here. Jesus did not let him go. But he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. Go home. Tell them what I've done for you. Tell them how I've changed you. 
Tell them about the mercy of God. You see, he didn't say go out and pick on demons. That's not our job. We don't go picking on demons. I got enough problems. Don't you? I get to tell you how the Lord had mercy on me. I want to share with you a little bit today how the Lord had mercy on me. How the, how the Lord has had mercy on you. You get to tell that. You get to go share how much the Lord has done for you. Verse 20. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis, in that region of the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So today I want to give you a couple thoughts. As we look at this passage, number one, Satan's plan. If you're taking notes, I'm finally getting to the notes. Satan's plan. I, I, I get to them in the last five minutes. Satan's plan is to distort and destroy God's image in your life. Folks, God has a plan. He has the way that he's called you to live. He has the way he's called us all to live. And what Satan does, he comes and he morphs it. And he says, did God really say? The very first words we see in this scripture from Satan. Did God really say? You mean to tell me that God would not allow you to eat that? You mean to tell me that God would tell you that that is bad? You mean to tell me that he loves you and you're not allowed to have that fruit? Mm, that's Satan's plan. And it does that with everything. And I want you to catch this today because that's the plan of Satan. He comes and he never comes and in, in, in open. It's always sly. It's always in, well, this will make you feel better. This is easier. This is, oh, look, God would want you to have this. And he's always a murderer. He's always a liar. When it comes to Satan, folks, I don't talk too much about him. A few weeks ago, we talked about him because it's in the passage. Uh, we're talking about him today again because he's in the passage. But I want you to catch this. There is an imbalance of how people look at Satan. And uh, you can go from one extreme to the other. And I want you to catch this because I don't often pay too much attention to him. I know my enemy, I know how to deal with him, but I know where my strength is coming. And we're going to develop that here in the next uh, next few minutes here. But his plan is to destroy you. I like what C.S. Lewis said in his, his uh, book, The Screwtape Letters. Um, he says this, he said, There are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can, fi- can fall about the devils. So about devils, there's two things that are, that, that are equally as bad and they're extreme. One, he says, to disbelieve in their existence. So you can say, well, Satan's not alive. He's not doing anything. Uh, any of the negative things and the bad things that are happening in our world, that's not Satan. It's just the bad world and you just kind of discredit it. Um, he's not tempting me. You, you kind of just say he, he's not, not, not an issue at all. He said the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and an unhealthy interest in them. So the other extreme is to, to see there's a demon underneath every rock. Have you ever gotten around somebody like that? They discovered the spiritual warfare, and as they're going home, you know, Satan, Satan was at the red light, Satan was at the onions on my hamburger, uh, all that stuff. You know what I mean? Satan, they just look at Satan everywhere. And so C.S. Lewis says the demons, they themselves are equally pleased by both errors. 
There are pleas if you discredit them. There are pleas if you're fascinated. And God says, don't be fascinated with the demons. Stay away from them. Uh, don't be obsessed. Uh, listen, they're, they're real, but we, we're not to be obsessed with them. He's called us to put our mind and our attention on who? God Almighty. Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. And as you come and you place your heart, your mind, your soul, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the, the Son of the Most High God, God will transform your life. And, and so here's what happens. We put our mind and our heart over here on how I am wanting this issue in my life. Uh, an addiction. You get, you get tempted by an addiction. And most people take their addictions and they make them very comfortable. I need this. This, well, God understands. I, I feel better. And, and this is what we do. We rationalize an addiction that somehow it's okay. But it is Satan destroying you. He's putting his foot into you and he's destroying you. And so you don't, shouldn't be obsessed with Satan on every corner, but you should be obsessed with God. First Peter 5.8 says it like this. Peter said it like this. He said, be sober. You know what it means to be sober, right? I, I looked it up. I said, well, what does it mean to be sober? It says to abstain from wine. Abstain from alcohol. He says, be sober. I think he's not just talking here about abstaining from alcoholic beverages. He's saying, in the same intensity that you have to be sober, be sober about fighting your enemy. You, you know what? You, ha- you have to, if, if you're going to be sober, you say, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to have a drink today. So when you're sober, you say, I'm not going to do that. This is not going to take over. You are, you are watchful. So he's saying to be watchful, to, to be very intent, to be diligent. He says to be vigilant, uh, vigilant, vigilant. Man, it's a rough day there, right? Vigilant, right? He says to be vigilant. He says to watch your guard is what that means. So to be intentional about your life and to watch your guard. And here's what we have to do. We have to be on guard because Satan is lobbing attacks. He says it right here. For the devil, your adversary, the devil is like a roaring lion. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Lions aren't kitty cats. And we quite often think, well, this is just a kitty cat. It's a lion, and it's seeking whom he may devour. And so he's coming after us to devour us. And then he tells you, here's how you deal with him. You're sober. You're vigilant. Now he says, resist. Resist the devil. And I'm so thankful that, that when God tells us to resist the devil, he never tells us to do it in our own. I never have to resist the devil in my own power. You will not fight Satan with willpower. You don't have enough to do it. This demoniac man, he was not a maniac, he was a demoniac. This demoniac man, he was possessed by, by legions of demons. These demons took him and they destroyed him. They took over his life. You can't just resist. It says resist steadfast in the faith. That word steadfast means to be solid. Solid in your faith. Solid in who Jesus is, that He is Lord. Solid that He died on the cross. Solid that He rose again. Listen, folks, we are in a world where we're hearing everything come at us. And as you hear whatever, we are tossed around by fear. We are tossed around by torment. We are tossed around by addiction. We are tossed around by comfort. We are tossed around by so many things that are bombarding us. He says, be steadfast in Jesus. 
Resist the devil. Be steadfast, knowing that the same sufferings we're experiencing by your brotherhood in the world. You know what? Your Christian brothers and sisters around the world are facing this too. That temptation that you're dealing with, Satan's bombarding you. He's hitting your heart, hitting your emotions. Satan is attacking every one of us. And I want you to know that there's probably other people sitting right here today that are dealing with something that you're dealing with. There's people that, uh, that, that are in our area, people all around the world. When I meet with the missionaries in Ecuador, they're dealing with the same things that we're dealing with. This is not an American thing. This is a Christian thing. We are following Christ in a world that is not following. We're following Christ in a world where Satan is bombarding us. And as we are coming to be followers of Christ, we must resist the devil. Number two in your notes, if we don't know where we are being attacked, we've lost the battle. If we are not wise enough to say, okay, this is the enemy attacking me. You know, there are things that the enemy will attack you on. And uh, for you, it's something different than it is for me. We all have something that Satan is coming and attacking us on. But if we will continue, James 4, 7, look what it says here. Submit yourselves to God. When you hear the word submit, it means surrender. He's in charge. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. All right, I'm submitting to the power of God. He's in charge. I can't fight Satan in my power. I'm resisting. I'm submitting all at the same time. And what will happen? Read it with me. He will flee from you. Let's read that again. He will flee from you. Let's take it from the beginning. I think this is an important verse we should memorize. Let's read it together. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will run from you. Satan runs from you. He's he's going to leave you. There will be no more. He's not going to keep coming at you on that issue. I I like over in 2 Thessalonians 2.8, talking about the end times. And, and, you know, I said, as I said, listen, when at the very end, Jesus is going to cast Satan into the lake of fire, and it is over. It is finished. He says this, and then the lawless one will be revealed. Satan will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will consume with the very breath of his mouth. Oh, don't you love that? The very word of God. That's how you defeat Satan still, through the word of God. The very breath of the mouth of God. It says that he will, it, will, it will destroy, and he'll be destroyed by the splendor, by the glory of his coming. Oh, I love that. I can't wait for that day. I've seen Satan do some things where he's marred the image of God on so many people. I've watched people that I love, that I care for, that the the image of God was just beaten up, destroyed. What do you do then? You do what this demoniac man did. He met Jesus. And here's what happens. Number one, let Jesus change your life. Would you read that with me? Let Jesus change your life. You know, many times when we're dealing with demons... We kind of enjoy it. We kind of enjoy the the comfort of our fallenness. We enjoy the the pain. We enjoy the... We get into this rut. We're like, okay, it's okay. This is just okay. This is just okay. Let Jesus change your life. Look what happened to this man. They came and they saw for themselves. Look at this verse here. Mark 5, 15. They came to Jesus. They saw the man who had been 
past tense, had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there dressed in his right mind. He was transformed by God. God came in and he gave him his life back. He got, he got to experience the image of God again. He got to see it. Uh, secondly, I want, I want to give you this. Let Jesus command you. Don't, let, don't just let him change you like he changed you. Let him command you. Let, let him tell you what to do. That's not common in our world, isn't it? In our world, what's anybody say? Does anybody, you know, what, what's, your, what's the famous statement? Don't tell me what to do. You know, I mean, when, when you were five years old, you probably didn't say it like that to your parents. But by the time you got to 15, you did. You know, if you're 15 years old and your parents says, you know, da, 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 da. Mom, don't tell me what to do. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm in charge. I'm going to command you. And we resist this. We resist this. Uh, he says, resist the devil. Let Jesus take the command. Um, the scariest verse in the Bible is whenever Jesus said, hey, I'm not going to force my way into your life. Look here. He says this, uh, the next verse here. Jesus did not let him. He was, he was wanting to come. He wanted to come over and go on the boat with Jesus. He actually wanted Jesus to stay. He, imagine the conversation. He's begging Jesus. Can I stay? Can I stay? Can I stay? Uh, Jesus, would you stay? Would you stay? Would you stay? And, and so this altercation goes on between Jesus and the man that's been transformed. And, and Jesus said, you know, the man says, can I come in a boat? Jesus said, no, you're not staying. You're not going in a boat with me. But go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. You know, the, the Gazarenes may not have wanted Jesus, but Jesus wanted them. And while Jesus got in the boat and left, you know what he did? He left his missionary there. He said, you go back and you tell everybody. And he did. He went around and he told everybody. And that's the, the third thing in your notes there. Let Jesus consume you. Let him consume you. This man became consumed by Jesus. He was all about what does Jesus want? What does Jesus want in my life? I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. And look, look what he did. Verse 20. So the man went out. Uh, he went away and began to tell uh, in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. He went out and he began to tell. And I, I want you to catch it like this. The man... One point, maybe he was married. He had a couple kids. And, and, and the demons took over. His wife said, you can't live here anymore. you got to leave. You're going to harm these kids. And he said, well, let me tell you, I don't even want to be here. I'd rather be around the tombs. I'd rather hang out the graveyard. And he goes down and he says, I'm going to hang out where... Where life is how I like it. And, and he goes and, and he leaves and, and he's been gone for years. And now Jesus comes to him and, and transforms him and, and, he, and he changes his life. And, and maybe the story was told like this around town. Finally, Jesus changed this man. This man sees a home that he has not been to for a long, long time. He sees a little boy that turned from playing in the dirt and sees his daddy. Running out the front door is his precious little girl. She stops in her tracks and, and she sees him. And, and with the excitement that only a daughter can have for her daddy, she begins to scream at the top of her lungs, Mommy! Mommy! It's Daddy! It's Daddy! I can't believe it! He's come home! He's no longer walking. This man is sprinting. 
He gathers in his arms his little boy and his little girl and he, he gathers them together and he, he begins to run up to the house. Then there in the doorway stood a lady, his wife, who told him to leave years ago with tears streaming down his face. Tears down his face, tears down her face. She looks at him with a sweet smile. She's speechless. She's all caught up in the joy of the moment. They're all embracing. They're crying with joy. And, and how can this happen? What, what, what happened? And, and wiping the tears from his eyes. The man looks at his wife. He looks at his kids. And he goes, I met a man. I met a man and he changed everything. This, this man, he took every demon, everything that ever bothered me, everything that I ever thought was good out there. He changed it all and I am, I'm a new man. Look, I am the dad. I'm the husband that you wanted. I can do this for you. I'm here because of Jesus. I'm going to ask you today. Will you let Jesus change you? Have you met him? Will you let him consume you? Will you let him command you? Will you listen? If he's Lord, he's Lord. If he's not, he's not. And that's what Mark's been taking us up to: Is he Lord, or is he not? Is he Jesus, or did you make up your own Jesus? I want you to be introduced today to the Jesus of the Bible, to the Jesus who walked on this earth, who lived among people, who was hung on a cross for your sin, who was buried. And rose again. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. That's the kind of God I want to introduce you to. He has your best interest in mind. He loves you. He's the designer. He has this all. He knows everything about you. He, is the, he has the instruction manual. It's right here. And I want to invite you today to surrender to Christ and follow him. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I, I realize that when you talk about some of these demons and things, it's, it's not easy because we all face some of them. There's something that you're facing today, and um, Jesus is the only deliverance from it. I, I want to invite you today to be delivered by the power of Jesus. Let Jesus change your life. He'll do it. But if you tell him, get out, he's, he, 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 he's not going to force his way. And I want to invite you today to just trust him. Maybe there's something that you're dealing with. Um, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. If, if you've not started to follow Jesus, the first is to meet him. And today he's knocking at your heart's door. And today's the day to open it. So I want to invite you, whether you're in this building or you're online, would you open your heart to Jesus and just trust him. Just call on the Lord and say, dear God, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things and I'm in need of a savior. You died on a cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again. And God, I'm going to trust you with my heart, with my soul. I invite you into my life right now. I don't understand everything, God. But I'm going to trust you. You are Lord. And, and for others hearing my voice today, maybe you have, um, you're struggling with some demons. Like you're a follower of Jesus, and while the demons can't take over, they can't possess a believer, they can sure make life pretty, pretty nasty. 
Um, the, the demons of, of addictions, the demons of ourself, the demons of comfort, the demons of pleasure, the demons of so many things. Um, what area do you need Jesus to deliver you from today? I, I think there comes a time as believers that we all have to research our, our heart and say, okay, Lord, I'm struggling in this area. And many times it's because we don't understand what he's doing. Many people don't understand the plan of God. I know I sure don't. Sometimes I get upset. Sometimes I get filled with pain. And sometimes I, I, I want to walk away. But God says, listen, stand firm in the faith. Be solid in knowing that God always is good. And everything in his word is always good. He, he's not an ogre in the sky. He's not trying to make life difficult for you. He's trying to show you that he loves you and that he has a plan for your life. So I'm going to ask you today as believers, would you surrender to him? What area? And, and I want you to pray about it and go home today and, and write that area down. Lord, surrender. Lord, I need you to deliver me from this area. Whatever area that may be, um, Lord, I need you to deliver me. Father, be with each person, Lord. There's so much in this passage today, Lord. We have seen your mighty hand. We know that you're working. We know that you're doing things that... That, uh, that we don't understand. God, I thank you for the, the actual history here. We see a man actually did walk this earth that was, that was howling in the tombs and, and, and actually was cutting himself and was destroyed. And, and when he met Jesus, he was changed. God, I pray that you help each one of us because we all struggle with the fact that, that you're Lord and we're not. And so, God, there's areas of my life, there's areas of each person's life in here, Lord, that we need you to, to take over and we need you to take command of, to take charge of and, and cast the evil one away from us, Lord. And we know it will be done in the power of God Almighty. Lord, I thank you and I pray that you'll bless each one of us, Lord, as we go home and consider the words of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Wasn't it great to be here? Let's thank God. What a great God we serve. Amen. God is good. I want to encourage you to sign up for one of the cookouts. We want everybody just to, to get some fellowship. The cookout table is off to your left. And then we have Vacation Bible School. We can use plenty of help and uh, get more information. God bless you. You are dismissed. See you next week. Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination tonight. The stars shine bright and spell my name. The winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky. I'm drifting off in the deep of the surrounds me the crickets sing and trees ring and I want to let you know that river water runs steady flow and it flows free and in control your hand leaves its evidence all on this earth as I lay here and ponder on all creation you made it all I'm just dreaming in this empty room Cause I'm in awe